Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. We have a great discussion with Ken Merritt, my friend, and a partner at Dayblink, which offers several professional services support. Check them out at dayblink.com. Ken has navigated an interesting path from working with big professional services organizations to working as an entrepreneur building them. He is a thought leader, board director, and diversity, equity, and inclusion expert. We talk about all of these dimensions and spend some additional time on the diversity and equity topic. We talk about Ken's youth and the impact on his trajectory. Ken talks candidly and openly. You'll learn something, and I suspect you'll leave this interview with a slightly different perspective. Enjoy this episode. Well, your kids are grown and in college, so you're not having to deal with this whole virtual business, are you? No. I'm, I'm sympathetic for you all, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> are your kids just, I know they're both at school, they're at Texas A&M, right? At North Carolina A&T. North, North, I'm sorry. Oh, well, that's okay. If, if, you, if I had my other view, you could see the wall. I know. I like, I like that view. Uh, are they still virtual, or are they going to classes? They're virtual. I think my son has two classes, which kind of they actually huddle, but all the others are asynchronous. Got so, it. Got it. Uh, all virtual, though, for both of them. How do they like that? We're not complaining, right? Um, I don't know. It feels like they might be getting used to it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think where I'd like to begin with you, my friend, <laughs> is have you talk a little bit about your current role and what you're doing. Uh, you're someone that, well, we've known each other for many years, although we talked last time about how really our time when we first met was fairly short, yet it seemed like an eternity. <laughs> so. it, it, it was, right? It was about six or six months or I so. Can't, like we, uh, Ken and I caught up earlier, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we were just talking about when we met and started working together. And I could have sworn we'd worked together for two or three years, and it just goes to show you. Uh, we were like in the trenches, though, right? There was a lot going on during that time. That's right. Sure. Yeah, and, you know, kind of fun times fly by. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, well I'm today so, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a partner at a strategy consulting firm, right? Called Dayblink Consulting. Mm -hmm. We're a national practice based in the Virginia area, and, and I personally focus on digital transformation. Digital transformation. Specifically, yeah, specific, uh, specifically organization and people, um, making sure that our clients. Are ready for the future of work. Making sure your clients are ready for the future of work. So if you are a less experienced human and you're just coming out of school or you might be heading into college, what does that really mean? Yeah. Well, it means it's actually a good thing for our less experienced folks because you've grown up in a digital evolving world right right 
And so if, if I think about my kids who are 21 and 19, mm-hmm. um, my wife and I laugh because they've had mobile phones since they were like six and four, right? I'm embarrassed to say that, but that's, that's the case. And it's mostly because I read a book back in the 90s around the digital divide. And I always believed that that my kids should be part of the digital evolution. And so I, I always wanted them to be technology savvy. Mm-hmm. And, and so my advice for anyone kind of getting into the job market today, I, I would say, you know, kind of lean into all the things you did as a kid on your mobile devices and video games and you know, computers and, and the like, because you know, the business world is actually becoming more of that, not less. Right. Right. Um, if you think about six months ago, any conference call or anything we did, probably 90% of those were still on the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. But today they're all digital. Right. Video. And so my, my advice for anyone coming along is to, uh, to embrace that uh, because you know, the world's changing faster. And the good news is if you were kind of a, a young person in that world, kind of coming up here as even as a kid in the last 10, 15 years, you've got actually a bigger advantage on those of us who, uh, yeah. who've been adults for 10 or 15 years because we, we've got to change and you're ahead of us. Right, right. I agree. I think that's, one of the great things I, I even remember with my dad, he retired in the late late nineties, early two thousands, and um, he I remember his him getting his computer for the first time, and and really just not being able to operate it at all. And then even for me, we didn't really have computers in college till I'm going to date myself, but till the end right of college where it was just you know you went to a lab and everybody used computers at the list. Not like you had your own computer. Uh, right. certainly didn't have iPhones or anything like that. But even that divide of me having it in school and being familiar with it and then watching my dad who, I mean, couldn't even really type, right? So it's just like, so I think you're right. It's, it's, it is encouraging how much they've experienced it and it's part of their life and how they'll be able to use that in their future. How long have you been with your current organization as a partner? It's pretty recent, right? Yeah, I joined mid-2019. Yeah. So just over a year, 14, 15 months now, and it's exciting. It's a, a relatively, um, you know, we've got two sets of folks here. We've got old guys like me, partners, mm-hmm. but we got a, a bunch of folks in their um, mid to late 20s. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's exciting because their energy, you know, the way they see the world really helps the rest of us in many ways, I kind of laugh because I say it helps me stay young. Yeah, I think that's right. We just hired a couple of interns at TFA, and um, I purposefully wanted to hire people that are just out of school and that have a connection to that demographic, given that's a demographic I'm interested in pursuing and working with and helping develop. So that's obvious, like that seems like an obvious connection, but also that diversity of thought. And that difference view, the different view on the world, I think also is a great attribute for, 
for us that are a little bit more seasoned in our careers. It's so true. I wrote a paper a couple of years ago, it goes back, that as companies transformed and got ready for the future, that they needed to lean more into kind of the millennial and the future generations, right? Because if you think about it, you know, who leads companies today, you know, tend to be, you know, baby boomers mm-hmm. and Jeanette's just like myself. Right. And I think, that, I think that leaves a blind spot for how to be better, right? So we, we, we need that diversity of thought more than we, we generally do. And so when I think about young folks coming along, I, I tell them and I tell my, again, I tell my kids, to don't be afraid to kind of speak up when it comes to kind of change and, yep. you know, give their opinion because you know, many of us got a lot to learn. So you and I met both working for a professional services firm that was a really large firm. And then you left that firm that you had been at for a while. And I remember thinking when you left, you know, I had definitely was drinking the Kool-Aid and, you know, couldn't imagine a life outside of that organization. And, you know, there's a lot of great things about that organization and I had a lot of great success there. And so I remember you making that decision and thinking, what is he doing? That's crazy. And you went to a much smaller organization. And so I'm curious for, you know, as you, I'd love for you to talk through as you were thinking through that decision to leave and, what, what were some of the factors? And then what, what did you anticipate you were going to when you went to that smaller firm and did it deliver, right? Or, or were you surprised? Were there things that, you know, we always think the grass is greener and then you go experience something and there's probably some truth somewhere in the middle about pluses and minuses with that. Tell me a little bit about that process of, of being in a big firm, super secure, right? You kind of know what your future is going to be and then making that switch. Yeah, I think there are a lot of ways to, to kind of think about it, right? There's first the, the professional side, then the personal side, right? So professionally, I was kind of always taught that the bigger the company, the, the more security you have. Right. right. And the more opportunity you have for growth. Um, and I think those things are true, right? Um, we were at that firm. I had great relationships, great mentoring. Feels like we were always winning as a company. And that's, you know, that's kind of special, right? In, in, in a way, and it teaches you a lot. It helps you grow and, and develop. I, I also think it gives you the opportunity to learn from a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I really appreciated learning formally and informally. But I think on the downside is your contributions sometimes can be limited, right? Yeah. Um, because it is so big. And so for me, uh, I, I was looking for the opportunity where I can be uh, in a position to, to do more, contribute more uh, on a professional level. Right? Mm-hmm. That, I, that I, felt, I felt like not just, and at that point, you know, I was a consultant serving clients, uh, big companies and, and doing some pretty cool things. I felt like I could still do those things and uh, learn and help a smaller organization win too. Right? Mm-hmm. So in many ways, it, it was an entrepreneurial side of me, kind right. of growing. 
um, that I never thought I had. It's funny, all the layers you go through in your career. And that one went out, right, to be more entrepreneurial, right? So, so that was the professional side. I think personally, I think the more, yeah, at least in my mindset going in, was I'd have more flexibility to go have fun with um, family, friends, and all the other important things in life because I was working pretty hard over there. Right. I think that part was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. When you when you are and head down a road of being an entrepreneur, as you know, right, it, you find yourself working more, right? Yet the fulfillment, right, that you get from that yeah. is something that, that for me has is, is been worth the move, right? In many ways, the professional side and the personal side have come together because I actually feel like I contribute more, I contribute where I want, and, and through it all, I'm kind of um, you know, making the most of both my professional side and my personal side. Did you have any fear making that leap or change? Yeah. You know, back to the security point, right? I, I think for all of us as we go through our careers, anytime you change, it feels pretty daunting, mm-hmm. right? And not only from a career perspective, I think from a, you know, what you're doing as you navigate through school and through college and early in your career, I think every time there is something new, you're going to be a little bit timid, right? A little anxious about it. Mm -hmm. But I think for us all, you know, we should embrace it, right? Because I... Because one thing is for for certain, things will change. They always change. They always change. What I think is great about, at least for me personally, watching you exit and other people, there is opportunity on the other side if you've been somewhere for a while where you feel it takes a long time to build that network and those relationships and to get those opportunities. And so I think there's a fear that when you leave that you have to start over and will you have those same opportunities? You're obviously taking a leap because you don't really know and you're starting over it to some extent in terms of building those relationships. But what I, what I think is great is that you're modeling certain behaviors for other people to know that there's a lot more out there. And to your point that I only recently realized about myself is this entrepreneurial spirit and that the makings of that show up a lot in your work or the way that you work and you don't even know it. And so given, you know, funny enough, the thing that you and I worked on together, it was, it was a build of something. And so that's super entrepreneurial. And we were doing a lot in that transformation that was using that kind of creativity and those skills. And I, we, we talked about it, like, yes, it was a short period of time, but there was a lot to learn and a lot to do and some really great work that happened. And so it's just cool to take a rest, to take a leap, and then find another lane and to still be happy and be rewarded. And I think that that is really uh, very cool. And that, I think, is a good lesson to not be afraid. And interestingly, now that I'm doing some consulting work with smaller organizations and you just talked about what your your experience right now and even going where you went to after we worked together, that that space of being, which is tighter, I mean, all the cool, creative 
collaboration and you're involved in so many things and you get a view into how a business is run that that because of the layers and some of these other places. So at this point, I would recommend someone, if you do big business, take a chance and go smaller business so that you have a compare and contrast because it just makes you a more well-rounded professional. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Right? Pardon me while I talk about my kids because I think they're a good microcosm yeah. of what you know, folks, young folks are experiencing these days, right? Again, my daughter's 21. She's a senior. <clears throat> she is, and you'll get a kick out of this, she graduates next spring and she's going to work for our former employer, which <laughs> is great, right? Right, um, right. Good and, for and her. That is, so her. that is so her, right? In that the bigger security, um, that type of thing is, is kind of right in her wheelhouse. And I think it's perfect. My son, on the other hand, is 19, and I suspect that he'll never have a job with a big company like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He, he is all in on the gig economy. Yeah. Right. He's all in on whether it's you know he's he and his buddies are starting a little you know, opportunity, a little company now. He has learned how to do you know he trades stocks. Right. He, he's learning, he's doing foreign currency trading. I, I don't want a kid get to all this from, but he is all in yeah. on gig and being that type of entrepreneur. And, and, and he needed to hear from me and his mom that it was okay. Yeah. Right? And, and, and I understand enough about uh, the world that we're in. I talk to clients about it all the time. People today find their kind of own value proposition kind of more so on an individual basis than they do before when it was part of whatever the company helped you define. Correct. <laughs> right? And, and and that has been, um, I, I think that's great because I think it allows us as individuals to be the better us, right? And uh, anyone coming along today, I tell them to be smart because it's a lot to lead through, right? You don't want to chase bad opportunities and say goodbye to security at certain points. And I love what you said about if you can find a way to dabble in both to, to find a better you, but don't be afraid of it, right? Yes. The better you, just like you're going through now, you're, you probably feel better now. Like I think I bet both of us feel better today than we did, kind of working hard for a big company before. Yeah, I think it's. I feel. I do feel energized, and I feel grateful for all of that learning that I can now take with me and help small to mid-sized organizations in a way that I couldn't if I hadn't had that experience. But I agree with you, there's a lot of energy and I wake up every day, it's like a second act and I'm really grateful for that because it's fun, yeah. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates, your one-stop shop for soft skills development, speaking, coaching, and workshops. If you'd like to hire Teresa, or for information on our upcoming workshops, visit www.teresafreemanassociates.com for more information. So since you brought up your children and you're talking about college, I love to ask people about high school, college, sort of the childhood, elementary self, <laughs> middle school really, or any of the things when you think about Ken and growing up, 
What are some of the things that stand out to you? I love to hear about either successes or conflicts, challenges, anything that you think shaped how you went after or navigated your career in your life. So just a little bit about that context. It's kind of two things that, that I probably talk about. One is the navigation part, and then two, reflecting back on what I learned. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that I was one part a planner and then one part an opportunist. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I think as a young person, I think I was fortunate enough that, to, to plan to get educated, right? I kind of knew, I kind of knew at 15, 16 that I wanted to be like, I wanted some advanced degree, right? I kind of knew, I, if you had told me that I would stay at the law school, because I know the first thing about business school and all this other stuff, but I, but I knew I had an appreciation for education then, right? And so that navigating through almost every decision that I made from probably middle school was about being in a position to learn and kind of educate myself, right? And, and I literally feel, try to take some level of classes today. So yeah. Can I ask a question about that? Is that self-motivated, self-inspired? Did you have someone around you saying, you know, here's a path you should consider, or did you, I mean, that's pretty cool and pretty, to me, at that age to know that education is important. I mean, a lot of us, I think, don't understand the value of it and sort of suffer through it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Versus like, in, in, versus what you're saying, which is seeing it as a real opportunity. Yeah, I, uh, I'm bad at talking about my child. Right? Yeah. But, but I grew up fairly poor, right? And I had two sides of my family. One side never went to college, mm-hmm. right? And the other side, you know, one generation ahead of me kind of went to college, right? And I think of what I saw from both sides became a motivation that ended up being self-motivating, mm-hmm. right? I, I saw something, I'll just be candid, I saw something that education could take me out of being poor. Right, right, it's <laughs> right? a way out, mo- right? Mo- mo- mobility, yeah. right? And then the other part about it, if I'm being honest, is to, again, that thirst for learning. I just, I, I'm, a, I'm the ultimate geek, right? <laughs> I, I've always had a real, I, I appreciate learning, right? Yeah. And, and always have. And when I combine that with a kind of, you know, aspiration to, to do more, to yeah. do better, right? To, you know, these aren't words I would use at that age, but they're words I understand now to, to, to have some form of economic mobility. And right. did you, did academics, because of your love of learning, did that come very easy to you? Was it something you had to work hard at? It's one thing to recognize, here's my way to some sort of economic security and here's a way out. And then it's another thing to be able to apply that and, and have it work out. I mean, you know, not everybody is geared towards that academic system. So yeah. once you made that decision, how, how hard did you have to work at it? I had to work hard, but in a different sense. Okay. Right. Learning comes easy, right? Because because I'm thirsty for it, right? So that part, studying, reading, that that part was fine. It was 
where to study, what to learn, what to do with the, the that energy that I ended up being more lucky than you know, anything else. Mm. Which is the other part I was gonna say one part plan, the other part I was opportunistic, right? And and so while I could tell you that I want to be educated and I can tell you like I wanted to do business. I didn't necessarily have people and the relationships necessary to kind of figure out what all that meant, right? Mm-hmm. But so so I ended up in kind of following that which was in front of me, right? If I met someone who I found to be intriguing, I you know introduced myself. I think to get into college, person you know came to our high school, talked a little bit about my beloved North Carolina A and T at the time. I thought it would be cool, and so. You know, that worked out, right? Coming out of undergrad and it's the first time recruiting. I, I didn't really know if I was doing the right thing. I didn't know if I was dressed the right way or whatever, but I met someone who was interested in giving people of color an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, that worked out. So, so it's one part plan, one part opp- opportunity. And, and yeah. um, you know, it's it's been something that I've navigated kind of using kind of those, both of those did you, and you you played sports. Did you did. you played sports in high school and college? Just high school. Just high school. Yeah, and I just how, didn't grow tall enough. Yeah. How how much of a factor did that play into your experience in terms of you talked a little bit about academic, but although it it doesn't seem like you felt a lot of academic pressure, it was more like you were in the zone and wanted to do it. So did maybe I should ask the question, did you feel social or academic pressure at that time? Not academic, but social, right? And I think, you know, to the, the core of the question, how did sports kind of help me, yeah. right? Sports sports taught me three things. I'm, I'm grateful for it because I use them a lot today. Number one is the social skills, right? It, it teaches you how to team, collaborate, come together for a goal with others, right? You aren't easily kind of introduced to those kind of things, right? So, so sports, sports did that for me. Um, showed me that way, especially with folks from different walks of life, so it's pretty good. Thing number two, it um, competition, right? I am fairly competitive, right? At least I, I was younger. I'm probably more chill now. But, um, <laughs> at, at that time, I, you know, winning, winning mattered to me playing sports, right? And, and I learned how to compete and win in context. Right mm-hmm. or losing context, which mm-hmm. again is not is not an easy lesson. Right, and then thirdly, I was captain. I was captain of you know, high school basketball team. Right, I was captain. I was SGA president and captain of a basketball team, and so I was kind of thrust in the leadership early on. Right, and and that that was cool. Right, it taught me to try to lead people even when they didn't want to be led. Right, you ever, you ever try to lead a bunch of 14, 15 year old boys? Right. <laughs> And, and, and that, that puts a test and teaches you how to, to do it. So, yeah, it, it, sports have been invaluable in those kids. So one of the things you you mentioned being a person of color, and one of the things you and I talked about the other day was was obviously um, given the current environment, but and we were going to talk a bit about it on here. But I, I don't know if you saw it just happened, and I'm curious, one, about your reaction, if you saw it or heard it, and if not, I definitely want to ask you some questions just about what it means right now to be in this tense environment um, with a lot of race at the core, race discussions, and you know your perspective on that. But 
Did you happen to see the Kirk Herbstreet comments where he he was on a Zoom and there were maybe four or five analysts and he was talking about his reaction to to what's going on, but also laying out what what's happening, but what else are we going to do and what we're going to do better. And he, he talked about being in the locker room and having there be this which you just alluded to, I think, in terms of sports, like there is no race in the locker room. High-performing teams, good programs, or I'm sure there's not saying everywhere, but that there is a barrier that somehow is when you're working together towards this common goal. And I think when he was getting emotional, my my impression is as he was getting emotional, it was like it, we can do it there, and it's like this wonderful thing that happens and why can't we in real life and outside of sport be able to do that? That that was my interpretation of it. I'm curious if you saw it and if I'm way off or because I'm not, you know, I've not, not been in, in a, you know, football locker room before yeah. <laughs> and I'm not black. So I can't really comment on either of those things, really. Well, first, thanks for thanks for this topic. Thanks for the question, right? Because I yeah. think it's it's one just of great importance. It's very important to me, right? I, I love what Hershey did, right? Because I think, I think when we're honest, we know certain aspects of our lives that there is equality. We, we, we know what it looks like, right? And then we know in other aspects, it's not there, right? And sports, you know, not, and it's not perfect in sports, certainly, but sports is a place where it's played out faster than it has in most society and I think that's because when you get those people in a room doesn't matter where you come from doesn't matter what you look like right what matters is the goal at hand which is winning a championship right or winning right and I, I, I think I think we can learn from that in this conversation I don't think there's any more important thing we can do right now um, as a as a collective in in dealing with kind of racial and injustice right and we only get there if we all kind of share in perspective, have the dialogue we're supposed to have, and do it in a way that's constructive. Right? And I know it's exhausting. <laughs> Trust me. I get asked the question a lot uh, from all aspects. You and I had a, a great conversation about it you know, some time ago. And I think I said to you then, and, and I say to everyone, and I, I say it's exhausting, but it's not, it's not more tiring than being on the wrong side of oppression, right? And what we what you kind of need to do is make sure for the sake of better for better, you gotta have the toughness, the effort, the commitment to change that, that these times call for. And so having those conversations in a way, I say lean into it, you know, as a as as a black man kind of going through those things obviously are important to me, you know, Black Lives Matter and that part of the movement. I also think we gotta talk a lot about other inequality, women, LGBTQ plus, right? Religious, people with disabilities. I think I think now is a time for us to be honest about kind of what it really means and figure out how to make it better, mm -hmm. right? Um, and let's be tired, let's be exhausted, Let's complain about the outcome after we've gotten something done. But right now, it's time to fix it. 
Yeah, you alluded to our conversation because I think I asked you, right? You're, you know, it's funny, Missy's, you can see Missy on here too, but Missy's married to a black man and, you know, poor poor Larry's getting calls left and right and, and immediately, I mean, I don't know if it's dissipated at all, but I think I referenced him to you and he has been tremendously patient, I think, and very thoughtful in the way that he is responding. And it sounds so simple yet, and, and absurd at the same time, but there's a lot of us that need to be educated. And I was listening to James Blake on an interview, and he was talking about how, in some ways, you know, and you can affirm this or not, but that for him as a black man, they, you know, he was taught to not address it, talk about it, hide it. So for so long, like you're hiding it, we're taught to not acknowledge it because we're racist if we do in any way. And it creates this, what I consider to be a hugely big unintended consequence because nobody's really being honest because they feel like they can't. And now you don't really have the words or the skills to, to talk about it. And so when I talked to you about this, that's when you had said to me, you know, I'm, I'm the way you had put it to me is that you're grateful for the opportunity and you're leading in, even though it can be tiring. And even though you may be the token guy for a lot of white people, I don't know how else to put it more. There's probably a much better way to say this than I'm saying it, but. Well, I, I think it's fine to say it that way because I don't, I don't take that as uh, in any way other than it, it's a word for saying I have the opportunity to make change, yeah. right? Because that, you, you know, that's, that's, what, uh, that's what this moment calls for. The point you made around how we're taught. We started this conversation about North Carolina A&T. Well, North Carolina A&T is a historical black college. Right. I kind of laugh because over the years I've had my, my friends who, you know, if you've never really been uh, around an HBCU, you kind of have this question of kind of, you had this question of well, why, why do you do that? Or what's the experience like, right? In fact, I have you know, black friends, you know, black male friends who said to me, well, how did that help you, right? In many ways, it helped me quite a bit because it helped me, it taught me lessons about what it meant to be a black man having to move beyond our communities, right? And, you know, with, ranging from, you know, make, make sure we learn how to dress and how to change from the dialect and pronunciation of things, you name it, we, we learn it. But we, but some, but not all the lessons have been accurate. And the one that that, I, that I've um, that I'm critical of today, which is why you have to lean in, as you mentioned, we, we were taught that if you talk about this, you're either whining or angry, mm-hmm. and neither one of those were going to be acceptable. Right. And and that that probably was fair to teach in those times. But I know that I've had friends along the way, and I'll count you one of them. That if I told you how I felt when we were working through those kind of long days back, you know, some some years ago, I know you would have listened because I because I I know you would have heard. And I, I I believe that we could have had some of those conversations we're having right now, even even back then. Right. Right. And now I'm optimistic. Right. Maybe maybe I could have only had them with you and maybe a few others. But in retrospect, if I had to go back again, I, I, I'd have them all. Yeah. Well, you I know? think it's great. And I, hopefully the openness and the awareness and the 
interest to have the conversation will propel. And it's, I'm seeing, I just, I know I'm talking a lot about tennis, but I just, um, I'm watching the US Open, I'm a big tennis person. And um, in James Blank, uh, James Blake is on there now. And then they have someone courtside that's African American. It's like you're seeing uh, real time decisions being made. And it's, I know it's just the start, but hopefully it's, it is a revolution of sorts and we're making some momentum, hopefully. Absolutely. I, I think we have to we have to press forward and not lose the momentum. Right. right? Which is uh, part of kind of my commitment. Yeah. If you'd like to advertise with Relatable, please email us at info at tfreemanassociates.com. So this is a bit of a segue because I think it, you've already modeled it here in this conversation, but you're someone who's always been super positive. You're a very optimistic, half full kind of guy. Uh, and I feel like you're also someone that people gravitate to, want to share their troubles with. You know, you have that awesome <laughs> demeanor of like, and you were somewhat in that role when we worked together where there's a lot of people coming at you sharing some feelings. So I'm curious, is that innate? Were you born with that? Is that something you um, work at? You know, what are your secrets behind that? It's a little bit of both. I think if you'd asked me some years ago, there's probably a certain hunger, right, that, that drove you, that, that drives you. And through that drive, kind of positivity, uh, positivity and hope is what is before you, right? Mm-hmm. And when you and when you have that, you have I think no choice but to stay positive, right? Or, or you get defeated. So I, I would have said years ago that that was a hundred percent of it, right? But I, but since then I've learned a couple things. One, I I believe, and I tell myself this. I tell those who will listen, those who can listen, <laughs> that tomorrow's a new day, right? Tomorrow is always a new day, and you can bring in you know a paradigm that it's going to be a bad day or you can see it as a a refreshing of things right i my family knows that my favorite holiday is new year's eve mm. right because to me the next day is a new year refresh yeah it, it's like everyone sees the world the way I see it every day, right? Then the next day is something new. And so I, I, I love the energy of New Year's Eve. So that's one, right? I, I have a mental model that I push that tomorrow's in the day. I think the other thing, and this kind of kind of harkens back to what I was saying about kind of how I came up. It's not lost on me that how fortunate I've been, right? And so I know firsthand that there are always people who are worse. Right, and who have a bigger struggle, who have far less than than I'm fortunate to have encounter all the people I I, I meet and whatnot. So they're people with much harder lives, right? And so who am I to not make the most of mine when I know they're they're folks trying to make a lot more with a lot less? I think there's something about the vantage point that you mentioned of having that view of these two ways to go. And you certainly don't wish that situation on anyone where they're 
economically challenged or in, you know, living in, in bad places and, you know, where, where you feel like you don't have a way out. At the same time, there's something about that perspective that if you do get out, that nothing will ever be as difficult or as hard as of that as that. And so to to your point, and, and Larry's talked about this also, it's almost like he's from the south side of Chicago. So there's certain things that if you're, you know, arguing over spinach versus broccoli, like really, like, you know, it's just this like relationship between reality and perspective. And and I think, you know, you've obviously you're navigating a long career at this point. So you have you know, I'm not trying to date you, but you have some history and you can look back and see how it's worked. And I think to have that perspective still that you're still appreciative of that, I think is super healthy. And I think it does aid in that positivity, that optimism to like, what's tomorrow going to bring for sure. Yeah, it, it, I always say it keeps me human. Yeah. Right. Um, I think one of the most important, I think I was asked once, like, as a leader, what's the most important thing you need to learn? And I think it's empathy. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think the more you're empathetic around about what others go through, right? Um, I think the better leader you are. And I'd, I'd be remiss if I somehow forgot <laughs> all the, all those challenges before. So right. I, I never forget them. I use them as I continue to use them as motivations. I use them as lessons. And, Quite honestly, um, it, it is hard to sulk about you know some issue when that's the place I started. From. Right, <laughs> right, right. And then, what about daily rituals, habits, anything that you do? I think people that are successful in their career and their life that feel fulfilled, that are happy, you know, that have that sense. Like we we found that typically there's some consistent rituals, habits things that they do that help them be successful. I'm curious if you have any that you would share with us. Yeah, I, I've got I've got two things I'll, I'll share. Um, one, I think I've always done, kind of dovetails a little bit with the prior, the prior point. And the other one I do now, well, there, were, there was a time that I completely stopped doing it, right? The first, the first one is, let me take the second one first. The second one is exercise, right? Which I believe that you become your full self when you're both uh, physically kind of active and, and it has cascading impact for your health, for your mental, and, and, and et cetera. So I, you know, my first hour every day belongs to me, right? It's kind of non-negotiable, right? Whether I spend it in the gym or running or whatever, but it's my hour and I usually spend it in some exercise, right? And I suggest everyone kind of find their kind of thing because I, I, I think it not only helps you physically, but also mentally. The second thing I've always done, it's, I've always had an appreciation for time. I don't know. I, I think early in my career, I took a time management course, mm-hmm. right? And so what I do is I look to the next day we were talking about being optimistic. I look to the next day and kind of figure out in that day, you know, how I'm going to spend that time that I can't get back. Because once you get into it, if you haven't planned, you just lose it and it's, it, it's gone, right? So when am I going to exercise? And, and I found that the morning works better because there are fewer distractions for me in the evening. So 
when am I going to do that? When am I going to focus in on work? And most critically for me is when am I going to connect with others, right? When am I going to connect with family, friends, you know, those who I haven't talked in a while. I try to, I try to put some of that in every day, right? And, and, and so I try, before I go to bed to kind of map that. I look at my schedule for the next day and, and figure out, you know, whether I have an evening, you know, to catch up with somebody or, you know, when am I going to call my mom, right? Uh, when am I yeah. talking to my kids in college? And when I spend time with my wife, whatever it is, right? Um, I have buddies that we text and stay connected. And I think all those things, they help. I love the intentionalness, if that's the right word. It's intentional. I don't even know if that's a word, but being intentional about your calendar and every minute does count. And so there are, that doesn't mean you can't have time where you're relaxing and you sort of plan for that. But at the same time, if, if you aren't looking at it and thinking about it from a, how is this going to fill me up? How am I going to do the things that I want to do? I think it's really helpful for sure. Uh, I, I even I even plan the naps and the relax. Do you, yeah, I think you. Yeah, I think it's right. One of there's two things that I've done around calendar management that have really helped me. One is exactly what you're saying. The night before I look, and when I used to be really busy in, in meetings all the time, if you had not booked time on my calendar the night before, I will block it as busy. So you have until the night before, and if if you didn't put time on my calendar, I'm taking that hour, and I'm going to do something you know, that I need to do, that I need to accomplish. So that was something that really helped me create some boundaries in my day. And then the Sunday look, right? The like long view look of like, okay, what's this week look like? You know, and that also, that combined with the nightly, it's it really feels like you get control back and it's not controlling you for sure. That's right. yep. Let's spend a couple of minutes on a passion of mine which is soft skills development and taught you we've already covered quite a few i think just in our discussion today you, you've talked about empathy we've talked about collaboration some other big ones for me are communication active listening and this power of influence and presenting so these are all areas that i am concerned about in terms of our tomorrow's leaders and where we see some of our professionals that are just starting out that have frankly in my opinion not had enough exposure either at home or in school because of a whole host of reasons which we don't really have to talk about. But I am curious for you, when you think about your own career, even in your role as a partner now and your your mentoring and leading talent, what are a couple of soft skills that you think are super important in order for people to be successful? I think there are three, right? You mentioned two of them, right? Uh, but the third one is a little bit different twist. Collaboration. And COVID doesn't help with collaboration, right? Because we, we, you know, in our own way, are, are finding ourselves working independently. We're not touching it. So we got to find digital collaboration is fine, whatever it is. But we, we, we've got to continue to collaborate, right? And so for anyone who is thinking about how to be a better them, right, through their life, through their career, they've got to understand how important collaboration is. Um, number two is, you know, networking and kind of connecting with others on, on a regular basis, right? Because I think what tends to happen is we collaborate with a relatively defined circle, right? And, you know, the, the good part of that is you're generally teaming in your work, but the bad side is sometimes you get the group think and you can miss out on other things that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have got 
had you not gone out of your circle. So finding ways to expand, to expand your, your day-to-day by reaching out, connecting with others um, is important. And then the third one, and this is the one that kind of bugs me on a regular when it comes to soft skills. I would call it negotiation skills, right? I, I think the most important, the two most important classes I took in, I took a lot of classes at our former employer and, and another employer and in business school when I was uh, in business school. Two most important classes, leadership and negotiation. And negotiations, you learn in formal negotiation classes that it's not all about your way. I tell the story sometime of how there were two groups in this negotiation. We, we split up. One group got to an answer, and the other group, you know, we, the negotiation broke, broke broke down in these kind of case competitions, and we both failed. <laughs> the the one group who got to a negotiation, their situation was so lopsided. You couldn't call it win-win. It's almost like one group gave up, the other group took advantage of right? Yeah. And then, then obviously, the group I was in, we were even worse because we didn't even reach any type of, of an agreement. With the lesson being, in life, as you collaborate, as you interact, and as you touch and evolve with other humans, you've got to work in best was for everybody. Right. Learn to negotiate to get to a win-win situation and not be selfish, not, you know, don't be selfish on one side, don't be too lazy on the other. Try to figure out what's the right. It's interesting given that you're in a partnership and you were before and you, and that was the community we came from. So I think in a partnership that has to ha- there has to be, you know, consensus and influence, which maybe is you know, that plus that equals negotiation. But I, I think it's interesting that the, the willingness to do it actively and openly. And I do think when you get more years behind you, you lose that need to be right. You, you can understand the value of diversity of thought and the value. It's so interesting to me as I continue to have experiences, I'm less convicted because I know there's so much more to consider yet. You know, when you have a limited view and you're not far along, you you know, I don't, I don't, it's an interesting dynamic. Oh, there's the choo-choo. Um, so I love that you I love that you mentioned that one. I think that's a great one. And then as we wrap up here, I I think you've already given us so much as you've talked about your kids and even your own experiences. But it's really interested to hear what you have to say if you are young Ken and you're looking at those two roads and what you expected or what you were hoping for, if you could give yourself some counsel, if you could make that experience to get to this point a little bit easier, what would you share with him? Well, there's so many things that he didn't know. Uh, I don't know where to start, but... (laughs) Oh, Ken. uh, Oh, young Ken. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably probably three things, right, that I think about. One... Money, money matters. That conversation has to always be in context because sometimes we're chasing money. Sometimes there's cost of things. And I think to the way to to, um, putting kind of money and dollars in perspective, right, is one of those things that I know here as I stare at my 50th birthday coming up that I wish I'd have known 
and understood a little bit better at 21, right? So managing money, like and, and, and spend some time learning it, mm, right? Mm. The sooner the better. I think number two, and this is this is the one that's helped me so much. Learn and never stop learning. Just keep go, 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 go. Learn as much as you can because it no, no one's ever harmed by the knowledge they pick up. And then the third one I think I talked about, but it's socialize, network, connect, right? Just find a way to connect with those people who uh, who you encounter, right? And you'll, you'll encounter just literally hundreds, if not thousands of people in your life, right? Yeah. And obviously you can't, you can't be that way with all of them, but there are probably too many that I have not been close enough to that if I had to start, right, if I rewound the clock, that encounter that I had at 25 or 26, I would have made, the, made more of it that it'd still be something that I can lean into today. So, you know, those three things is probably what I, I tell young kid. Oh, I love it. I thank you so much. This was so fun and it was great to see you again and talk again. And I feel like there's so much richness in your story and, and what you've navigated, but also just that real honest conversation we had about race discussion and, and just, I don't know, I really think your authenticity and, and your genuineness awesome and I really appreciate you as a friend and I thank you for doing this well that fe feeling is mutual right you're I mean you know how I feel about it. you're special and I I'm honored to do this just because it's the right thing to do but you know it's almost like working with you again and I'll take that deal in yeah me too let's figure <laughs> out a way <laughs>